The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, striving this week as every week to be your nation's public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And the topic today is one that just has so much interest right now that uh, we just could not put it off any longer, and that is crowdfunding real estate. We're <clears throat> going to be talking today to a fellow who has been raising money to buy properties for many, many years and uh, who has become something of an expert on the relatively new topic of crowdfunding real estate. Uh, however, before we get to that, a little bit of uh, local news here. The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati meets tomorrow. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know why I have this frog in my throat all of a sudden. Meets. T- <laughs> Thank you. Meets tomorrow. Cough, button. Cough buttons. Yay. Uh, at, the, uh, at the usual location out in Blue Ash, you get more information about how to get there and win at CincinnatiRia.com. It's a it's sort of a an all rehab night for folks who are interested in uh, fixing up properties and knowing how to how to inspect them right and estimate costs right and all of those sorts of things. So um, check that out at CincinnatiRia.com. That is CincinnatiRia.com and. Uh, with that, my guest today is Rod Yarger, who has uh, well over 20 years experience in going out and finding money, raising money for various types of real estate projects for different companies. Interestingly, he lives right here in the uh, southern Ohio area in uh, Dayton, and he is joining us by phone from his home. Rod, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina, and thank you for those kind words and that uh, that introduction. <laughs> You're very and, welcome. I, I, I'm sorry I keep choking. I, I don't know what's going on, but li- live radio is never the place to start doing that. So um, that doesn't matter. Everyone's going to want to hear you talk, not me today anyway, because everybody, <laughs> everybody wants to know about this crowdfunding thing. Now, you have been... You have been doing this for longer than than the term crowdfunding existed you you've been you've been going out and raising money for real estate before the jobs act and the that attendant uh 
term crowdfunding came about. So tell, tell us a little bit about your history with this. Sure, I'd, I'd be glad to, Vina. I, um, I, I first got involved in this in what is, we call syndication. And syndication, in, uh, and, and, and first of all, uh, Vina, if I, I tend to throw balls way down the field. So if I get too far ahead, uh, then just dial me back and, and tell me to, to uh, explain things in more detail or more simply. But anyway, uh, first got involved in, in real estate syndication deals. And syndication is it's real estate or property specific, and it's um, not really scrutinized if done properly by the SEC like private offerings are and things that private placements, which have been around for uh, many, many years and um, are regulated by the SEC, and they still exist today. The syndication is, for example, let's say that I come across a 100-unit apartment building and it makes sense to acquire that building, and I don't have all the money to acquire that building, and but I know about ten people that do, and we form a, a syndication where essentially they they invest as with me as they, they put up. Let's say that it's it's a million dollars to acquire. Ten people put up a hundred thousand dollars each to acquire this. They are essentially silent partners and um, me who created the syndication kind of runs the show and then there's a document that describes how they get paid when they get paid and all those sort of things and, and that, that is that is where a lot of people start and it's a good place to start mm-hmm. in getting involved in a little private equity so that's where I first got my start well that deal that I did really turned out well for everybody. Um, uh, we all made a lot of money, and everyone was happy. But it was kind of a unique circumstance, and I was like, I, I really kind of like the way this works. Uh, so how can I do this in a way that is not so specific to a deal, but is broader in approach? And that's how I got involved in the world of private equity and, and raising private equity um, and in the way it was done before 2012, uh, the Jobs Act. The Jobs Act is a, was a historic event, much more than it. Think back to when the Internet first was created. It's as historic as that. The Jobs Act of 2012 rolled back legislation that has existed since 1934. And what it did was, is, is 1934, the legislation that occurred, and actually in 1933, but then it was modified in 1934, the legislation that was created then was designed to protect the consumers. One of the things that was considered to have contributed to the, the Great Depression and the stock market crash, were, there were a lot of uh, hucksters, scam artists and those kind of people out there taking people's money, giving them nothing in return, and 
regulated. So, so they created um, what became what created Wall Street public offerings, and it still allowed for private placements. And I won't go into the whole history here, but it still allowed for private offerings. But they were very restricted in the way they could be offered. Um, they were secret. You had to know the people you were soliciting. Mm-hmm. And additionally, they had to be what were called accredited investors. They were only those deals were reserved for people that had a certain net worth, high worth, high net worth individuals at the time. It was only when they're allowed to play because the you know the, the government didn't want people to get to get hurt, lose all their money, and then be living under a bridge somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so what would happen is I might go to a group of people that I might know in a, in a club setting. I talk about, uh, this deal that I have and I share it with them and they say, you know what, Rod, I, I really like the way that sounds. Can you get me some information on that? And I say, sure. There's a series of documents that had to be created that were, that were given to them. They would read through, and then they decided that if they want in or out. And the catch was that I couldn't generally solicit. I couldn't put an an ad in a paper. I couldn't broadcast it on a bulletin board, nothing. I had to approach, I didn't know these people. I approached them privately. What I showed them was confidential. It was, they were tracked, they were serialized. If they showed it to anybody else who wasn't an accredited investor, it was a huge problem, and it would contaminate the offering, and there's a lot of bad stuff that happened. So I, I don't want to get too technical here, but, but the point is that that's what happened. Well, well then in uh, the early 2000s, and specifically in 2008, the investment banking world collapsed it was eliminated it's just it doesn't exist any longer additionally the banking industry got very very tight and people couldn't get access to money and additionally the um and it was very very frustrating to them but additionally these offerings were still out there and what happened is with the advent of modern social media and so forth, these private placements, these private placement memorandums were becoming public. Someone would, they were getting posted on Facebook and it became harder and harder to control these things. And so finally the government kind of figured out and justifiably so that it doesn't really matter who sees the offering. What matters is who are the people that are investing in the offering. And so that is what, kind of led to the Jobs Act of 2012, and was to, was to so now what's changed dramatically among a number of things are the general solicitation rules. Now, now if I have an offering, I can drop it from a leaflet from an airplane if I want to. It doesn't really advertise. It doesn't really matter who's, who, who knows about it, but it puts responsibility on us to make sure the people that do invest are properly qualified, so it's reserved for accredited investors. But what it's doing, it's bringing, and, and there's been 
since then some additional titles that have rolled out that are really exciting, really exciting. And that's probably what's creating a lot of the excitement right now, Bina, is the fact that it's starting to open up. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a bit more about the history of crowdfunding work for first started out. Most people, crowdfunding really comes in, it's, it's in three different forms. And one is considered needs-based, and it comes in the form of contributions. Um, GoFundMe is one of the sites that that you can find these kind of things being offered. And it's something, some, something for example, that um, let's say that someone has a, 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 a child that needs a, uh, a kidney transplant. They don't have the money and they do a, a they, they make a plea through GoFundMe and people people say geez you know, we want to help this we want to help this kid out and they contribute hundred dollars each or whatever whatever happens to be is is the solicitation and it's strictly just a gift um, and that's that's what needs based crowdfunding is all about it doesn't get paid back and it's it's just for that circumstance and there's a bunch of them the different causes are listed on that website. That's one form of crowdfunding that's out there, and it's obviously not really appropriate to real estate. The second kind that people know about, uh, may have heard about, is what's called rewards-based crowdfunding. And websites like Kickstarter offer those. And here's an example of how that works. It's essentially getting something in exchange, a reward. Uh, And an example would be my my oldest daughter is a... uh, She's a fashion designer, and she's done uh, some. She's done. Co- she really likes costuming. She's done costuming for some big names in the music industry for their music videos. But before they were big names, before she became known, they wanted to get themselves known, and they wanted to fund a music video. Uh, so they went on Kickstarter. And they had a series of rewards for how much money people gave. And I don't remember what it, what it is off the top of my head. It, the exact levels, but it was like a 25 a 50 and I think a $100 level. And there were better rewards and more rewards for the, the more money you gave. I think that the big, the big draw, I think, was for the $100 contribution level. You got your name in the credits, and, and you got uh, – signed poster by the group and you got uh, the one thing that, that really got me hooked on on giving money was their secret chocolate chip cookie recipe which was, which was <laughs> that was what the most important thing to me was getting that recipe for the cookies <laughs> but uh, and, and so it got totally funded they got the money and they made the video and that's what rewards based crowdfunding is again it's not typically appropriate for real estate because what do people get? Are we going to give them, you know, a, a key or something? I mean, it's just it's just not something that makes sense. The third type, and that's what's really starting to starting to gain momentum now, is investment crowdfunding, and that's that is what is uh, that is what for us, and that is a way to raise uh, capital for real estate investing in the marketplace, and to appeal to the world mm-hmm. to raise that money. Now, Rod, I want to give folks an opportunity here to uh, join in this conversation with questions, okay? So 
our number here in the studio, if you have any questions about the, the, the crowdfunding, the ways of raising money for real estate investments of various types, uh, give us a call at 877-772-9658. That's 877-772-9658. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Rod Yarger, who is a director of the Bullseye Capital Real Estate Hedge Fund and oversees acquisitions for that fund nationally. He's also the founding director of Investor Valley Crowdfunding Platform. And he's here today to talk to us about uh, crowdfunding and how it how it might fit in with what we already do on a day-to-day basis. So if you have questions about uh, crowdfunding and, you know, the, the, the various forms of it and, you know, what if what if I just need to buy a $50,000 house in Cincinnati? Do I need to crowdfund it? Give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askbean at gmail.com. We're going to go to the phones and talk to Russell, who's calling on line right. one from Gina. Connecticut. Hey, Russell. How are you? I'm Good. Good. My so my first question is, and this may have been asked before, or maybe on others' minds, is kind of like how best to approach um, crowdfunders uh, as far as as what type of type of things they may be looking for out of it, what type of opportunities. Okay, and uh, you're going to want to turn down your. I imagine you're listening on the internet, Russell. You're going to yeah. want to turn that down because you're going to hear me seven seconds after you hear me talking to you on the phone. (laughs) It's called seven second delay. And it's also known as the Mr. Drew button because that way if somebody curses on the radio, they can dump them. Yeah. That's why everything's seven second delay inside secret. Okay. So, so your question is how to, how to approach potential investors. Crowdfunders. Yes. Like the guys with the money. Yes. Okay. Um, Well, Rod, he just cut straight to the chase there. I mean, that's, that's what that's what everybody wants to know is is how do I how do I actually talk to the guys with the money? Yeah, and what and what opportunities? Well, wait, the the let me think of how I want to answer this, Russell. The the what, you're coming at it from the other side of, of kind of where I'm coming from this, and it. You're basically asking me, gee, how do I go out and get money to do a deal? Is in how do I do it with crowdfunding? And I don't know that I can answer that. And and here's why. Um, well, first of all, let me ask you: what, what is your experience investing? Are you are you are you just getting started in real estate investing? You've been at it for a while. Tell me more about. Yeah, uh, been been at it for a while. I used to I used to own a uh, multi-tenant and a uh, one family, and it kind of I was kind of more coming from how could we as investors uh, find out first what is the crowdfunder looking for, what are there certain niches they look into, particularly in the in, in the in the investment circle. Okay, are you an active investor now? Yes, I am. Okay, and uh, how, uh, just approximately, how many deals have you done over your career, and how long have you been at it? I've done like about seven so far, and, and, and okay. been over, over about a, a ten plus year span. Okay, all right. Well, I, the answer is kind of going to may throw you a little bit, but but the answer is that 
that crowdfunder could be you, and it, or it could mm-hmm. be you and some partners. Okay. So the way to look at this is it's, it's, it's a crowdfunding can absolutely transform your business in ways you can't fathom now. And so uh-huh. the, the thing the thing to think of this is because you don't is 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 do I qualify to start a crowdfund myself? And if I don't, how can I get qualified? And I'll explain this more in a moment why I'm saying this. Okay. That's really the thing to be thinking about. And so one one of the things that came to came to mind is that at the conference coming up in about a, a, a month, crowdfunding applies to everybody in the spectrum as an investor, the beginning investor and the advanced investor, and everybody in between. The second thing that I think is to know is that with crowdfunding, you can take advantage of every strategy that is that is you'll learn at the OREA conference. None of them would be, you'll be disqualified from none of them because you have to be able to op- open the world. And the idea behind, and what, what I'm speaking of here is this, what you would, what you want to do is find out how you go about creating your own fund. If you're asking someone who's a crowd funder for money, the, the way to find that out really is you have to go to the various crowdfunding websites, read their criteria, and figure out what it is they want to give you money. But one of the things sure. that makes it hard about that, Russell, is that you may not and you may not fit. You may not fit in their in in their business model. Uh, there's there's some big names out there that brag about all the deals they do, but they brag gossip about all the deals they don't do because they're only looking for the A minus quality investment properties. If you don't fit in that area, they're they're going to tell you no. So they 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 say no to a lot of deals. Right. Let's turn that around a minute. You so decide. Like yeah. Right. The, the, the goal the, the the goal for you and anybody who's out there should be to get to a point where they could form their own hedge fund, have it crowdfunded, and then they can do whatever they want. And so the question, ask, to answer your question, what are they looking for, the question becomes, well, what are you looking for to do deals? And the way this changes is right now you're looking at, I need, I, I have identified a property, I want to buy that property, I need to find the money to buy that property. That's property specific, which is mm-hmm. the way you think about things as a syndication, as a syndicator. When you create a fund, what changes dramatically are a few things. One is you don't use crowdfunding to buy a property. You use crowdfunding to fund a company, create a company, an LLC. Mm -hmm. The the money you raise funds the LLC, and the LLC buys the real estate. Right. That's the difference. So you write whatever rules. You, you can create whatever rules you want. It's up to mm-hmm. you. And, and here's here's what happens. Here's the incredible power of this. When I said it can transform your business, let me give you some examples of how. First of all, when you have this war chest of cash, you can there's it, you any deal that comes across your that comes in front of you you could potentially do because you have this cash available to use. You have two things. One, you have the cash, and two, you need to, you're looking for ways to deploy that cash and get a return on it because right. you, cause that's how you make money, and that's how you make money for your investors. The second sure. thing is, 
yeah. deal comes your way. Let's say it's a 25-unit apartment building. And let's say that somebody you know or even an agent that you know says, man, this guy down the street, he has this, he's, he has had a crisis occur. He's got IRS on his back. Whatever it happens to be, he needs to sell that property and sell it fast. And he needs to sell it to someone who can show up with the money. And it's more important who can act fast than the price he gets for it. He needs a certain amount. So let's say, for example, you could buy that unit for 65 cents on the dollar. And you have the cash to do that. Say the next person in line could raise the money, too, but they have to go to a bank, borrow the money, et cetera. Who do you think is going to get right. that deal? Who's going to business well, with Obviously, right? first, that's because, because yeah, exactly, time limit. Exactly. The next thing that happens is it dramatically lowers your cost of capital because now you have, when you create your fund, you are offering your investors a certain rate of return. And the way it generally works is, we call it preferred return, but the way it generally works is, I understand people care more about getting their money back than they do getting, you know, how do I get my money back? So the first question is here, how do I know I'll get my money back? So what you generally structured is mm-hmm. that, when you that you that your your investors are paid first, and then you're paid second, and then after that you kind of do a, a profit split. That's the way it generally works. Okay, okay, so so that so, but but your return and you structure whatever return you want. But right now, if you're borrow, are you borrowing money from private lenders? Have you ever borrowed money from private lenders? I, I haven't yet, and uh, so it's, I mean, okay. that's one of my goals. Okay. Mm. That's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. But generally what happens with private lenders is they're going to ask for a certain interest rate on that money. There's there's uh, there's points on that money. Typically they're going to ask for points, mm-hmm. maybe not. Um, and then they're going to want, you know, that, uh, uh, want that money back. So let's say you do, I don't know, full rehabs a year. You do one every three months. And you're able to borrow money from a private lender. Uh, I don't know, they're all over the board, but let's just say, for example, 10%. So you're borrowing money four times a year at 10%. What's your cost of capital on that? Your cost of capital is essentially 40% because you're you're doing that four times. Four times a year. Plus whatever other costs you have. When you have mm-hmm. a fund and you're promising a return to your investors of, say, a preferred return of, say, 8%, look what just happened to your that's, we're talking annualized here, right? So I'm talking 40% mm-hmm. annualized, 8% annualized. What just happened to your cost of capital? Oh, it just dropped by over 75%, about 80%, actually. Exactly. And what's that going to do for your profits? Not only for you, but the profits you share with your other investors. If your cost oh, of yeah. capital goes down. Huge. Goes up from that. Huge. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The next fund a fund will do for you, it can dramatically increase your 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 net worth and worth of your fund because use the example I just used. So you let's say you buy a property, you buy it for a hundred thousand dollars, it's worth uh hundred and twenty thousand dollars and you borrow a hundred thousand dollars to buy that hundred twenty thousand dollar property and it's just running a right. return on it. Fine. You've increased your net worth by twenty thousand dollars, right? Sure. If you raise money with crowdfund with a crowdfund, mm-hmm. you have raised one hundred and twenty thousand dollars of capital. Well, ideally, you know, we'll have raised more than that, but one hundred twenty. So you'll have an asset of one hundred twenty thousand dollars in cash, 
that you're turning around and trading for an asset that you bought for $100,000. So first of all, you, 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 you're just trading assets, cash for real estate. So you aren't having right. a deduct for that, and you're making 20000 So you understand the point I'm making here? I'd increase your net worth. Sure. Okay. The next thing that happens is that there are multiple ways for you to be paid on a deal. No one, Russell, expects you to work free. At least mm-hmm. no one is thinking well. Because if, you, if, if, you're, if you're not making some money along the way, you can't afford to eat. You can't, you, you can't, afford, you can't afford to do the deal. Mm-hmm. So we call it the revenue octopus. So in the way you structure your deal, uh, you know, if, you, if you are doing a rehab, there's going to be a, prop, a, a project manager, a job manager, contractor, a GC. That GC gets a fee. There's going mm-hmm. to be a realtor probably at some point who's going to get a commission. There's going to be, if it's a, something you took in your portfolio and you own the property, there's going to be a property manager you're going to hire. The point is mm-hmm. this. The fund, the LLC, has to hire somebody to do those roles. That someone right. can be you. So if you're a licensed realtor, guess what? You can get paid a commission. The money goes out either way. Why not go into you? No one begrudges that. They need to pay so becoming a realtor. That actually, part of that complex. Mm-hmm. Well, you, wait, you've got to be licensed, but but the point is that you you then you property manager. They have to pay someone to manage that fifty unit apartment complex. That someone can be you or our management company that you have. They have to pay someone to run the rehab as a project manager. That someone can be you. So the, so the there's more ways I haven't discussed here, but there's multiple ways for you to get paid uh, through the fund. The next okay. one I'll leave you with, which is very interesting, which is you can actually, there is a way for you to buy properties using the fund with no cash out of your pocket, zero. If you want to learn more about that, you got to come to the Alvia conference. Where he actually has three and a half hours to talk. Yeah, and uh, and Russell, we actually we actually need to take a quick break. But when when we come back down, when we come back, I'm gonna I'm gonna pin Rod down a little harder on the whole approaching investors thing, which was sort of the basis of your question there. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to Rod Yarger about crowdfunding and getting money from for your deals. Uh, we will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Rod Yarger, and we are talking about, we're talking a little bit about, let's face it, crowdfunding is a topic we could talk about for days, because there's two, I mean, really, there's, 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 there, in my mind, Rob, there are two chunks of it. There's the technical part of what am I allowed and not allowed to do? When would I need a... Uh, private placement versus when can I just go get a private lender because it's one you know it's one lender on one deal what do the disclosures need to say what do the PPMs need to say there's there's that piece of it that folks are right. folks folks are a little less interested in but by golly better learn if right. they don't want to get the cuff slapped on them and then there's the then there's the human piece of it which is what once I have once I sort of understand what I want to do and get an attorney to set all this up for me because that's the smart way to do it not, not to try and draft your own private placement memorandums. There's the part about how do I how do I put this in front of people? 
and and interest them in putting their money into my deals, which, you know, that, that, that Russell was kind of asking that question up front, and I you 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 I think you I think you answered him without answer answering him directly, which is by saying you figure out what you want to do, and then you go find people who are attracted to that investment. Is that is that what I heard you say? <laughs> It's a great statement, being a great question, and you know, I, I, uh, I, I uh, thank you for I, for uh, putting me back on point. It is kind of what I said, actually, and and said differently. I think I think that take a that may approach might be a more better answer for you, and that is, the question is, how do you attract investors? How do you attract people that want to invest in my in our deal or in our company is that what you're at is that is that where you need me to go right because i think i think russell's question was sort of based on this idea that there is some there is some icon of a guy out there who is looking at all different sorts of potential investment deals and picking on some unified set of characteristics and he wants to know what those are and that's just not the way that's just not the way it is there's not there's not you know, an avatar of a person with money. I mean, I've had, I've had in some of the past funds I've done, I've had everybody from like accredited investors who sold businesses and had millions of dollars in cash to people who were retired school teachers with a really great, you know, they had a bunch of retirement money because they had a really great retirement plan, but they had never made more than, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year and, and they only had twenty five, thirty thousand dollars to invest, which works here in Ohio. So it's not it's not that there is some some guy out there that if he you know if he if if you can't offer thirteen percent you're not getting investors, or if you can't invest in in shopping malls, you're not getting investors. It's just not like that. That's right, and there is a place for those what I call the non accredited that is coming um, in, in the in in it, these are being rolled out, you know, over, over time. It started with rewards based, like I spoke about early in the conversation, and, and went from there. But but to answer your to get right to it, how do, how do you go out and, and get find these or get these people, and and how do you how do you tailor an investment to to, uh, to, to uh, for these people? And they. Uh, going back to when this, you know, why what created the need for the Jobs Act 2012 is that uh, like investment banking world uh, went away, um, the market uh, collapsed, and returns on fixed fixed rate investments are, are almost non-existent. I mean, when you put your money in a you know CD or something, you get maybe half percent over four years or something. I don't know what it is now, but it. So it's not that there's no return on that kind of thing. So people, the market is hungry for more of a stable investment with a higher rate of return. And there are a lot of people that want to invest in stuff. They want to invest in real estate, but they don't want to do it actively. They want to invest in other things, too. But we're talking about real estate today. So those – so – and, for example, there are, there are people that would want to invest in a – fund with IRA money is paying maybe a return of six or eight percent a year or something like that versus what they're getting now in their money with a stable investment and a stable return that maybe gives them a chance for upside so so there are 
the same thing that attracts anyone to any investment would attract someone to to a, a fund investment. They, they want to have a diversification in real estate. They want a more stable return than what they're getting now. They want a higher rate of return than what they can get elsewhere. They want something they consider less uh, less risky than um, putting something in, in the stock market, something like that. So th- those, are the, those are the kind of things. So then the question then becomes, well, how do... So the question, how do you find these people? Well, a lot of it is just from people you know um, and your circle of, of people. Um, the, 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 the way to go out, though, and get people uh, to, to raise their hand and invest in a fund, uh, that's a little complicated, and I'll really cover it better and in, in more detail at the uh, – conference being a uh, how can I say this without creating confusion you have to have uh, you have to have a platform and you and you and you people subscribe to an offering through the platform and there's a lot of moving there is a lot to get a platform up and running now yeah, you, you mentioned Investor Valet, and I, I don't want to go to into detail, detail on how Investor Valet works on the um, on this call. But the Investor Valet is a way for people to have a, a, a platform to go out and solicit for investors in their offering. It also is a way for them to find some a, a pool of investors that would raise their hand and come into, into their deal. And I, I don't know if I can go any more detail than that, but that's, that's what, it, what it boils down to. So the, the, once you create your platform, once you create your, excuse me, once you create your fund, once you create your platform, once you create a way to, to raise capital, then you can advertise any way you want to. You can, like I said, you, could, you can put it on Facebook, you can put it on bulletin boards, and you can advertise it any way you want to. The thing that's, that's important is you need to have a back office operation that properly makes that, that make sure these people are eligible to invest with you. And the in the and the the five hundred six B rules before crowdfunding, it was self certification. Had to be people had to be accredited investors. They had to have a, a income of two hundred thousand dollars a year as individuals or three hundred thousand. Uh, combined married, they had to have a net worth of a million, or, and or a net worth of a million dollars, including their home, their primary residence. And it's, those were the, those were the, those were the rules. And basically, the rule was you go out and say, "Are you a credited investor?" And here are the rules: Are you are you a credited investor? And they could say yes, and that's it. You didn't have to check them out. Now it's incumbent upon the sponsor of the offering to make sure those people are properly qualified and that they meet those rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Russell out there in Connecticut is uh, is if if he is like most investors when they first uh, um, come upon this idea of of crowdfunding. Which, by the way, have you noticed that in about in about eighteen months that term has gone from having a very specific meaning to people just use it to mean any kind of private financing. Yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> like I, like I, I crowdfunded this property I bought in Dayton. Oh, really? How many investors did you have? Oh, just my uncle. 
you know, <laughs> it's it's like become it's like Kleenex now, right? It's just, but 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 it does actually have a specific meaning. Um, so he's he is thinking the same thing that I think a lot of folks do when they first start, which is how do I give the investors as much money as I can? In other words, the way I'm going to attract them is I'm going to give them the highest rate of return that I, I can and still, you know, eke by and get my part out of the deal. When in fact, you know, with the, with the, the smaller non-national types of real estate that most of the real life real estate listeners do, you know, they're not buying shopping malls. They're buying right. single family homes and little apartment buildings and packages of notes and packages of tax liens. And, and it's usually in their own backyard. A, a big attraction to pe- people you know, investors in your own backyard, is that it is in their own backyard. It's, right. it's, and you, you made a great point saying people are more interested in whether they're going to get their money back than how much they're going to get back initially, right? That's the first, the first concern is, is generally safety. And then second one is kind of, do I feel good about this investment? And then down the line somewhere is how much, how much of a return am I getting? And I, I don't want to send, I don't want to send Russell back off into listener land thinking, well, how do I get people 16 and 18% rates of return? Cause there are folks raising money all over the country at four and 6% because that actually holds right. up pretty well versus things like, you know, bonds and CDs and things like that. Right. The 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 hedge fund or a crowd-funded fund if you if you will is is the prize where I think anyone who wants to make a life is a real estate investor wants that needs to be the goal for them. But the fact is, not everyone is not everyone is ready for that yet, Vina. And you have to to be able to raise. People are interested in their return. That's true, but they're also interested in the quality of the deal. They're interested in the quality of the people running the darn thing. You know, if they don't have confidence in the team that's running it, there's no track record. They're not, they're not going to invest. They're not going to invest money with that person. It doesn't necessarily have to be the shopping mall or the, the big big project our fund multi-capital we we buy single family uh, houses we we bought stress notes we bought a, a lot of stuff we will do transactions that are that are relatively small compared to the big things you hear being being broadcast we have a deal that we um, acquired recently and it was a situation it was a single family a single family house the people uh were about to, you know, they were about to lose the house in foreclosure. They all they really wanted was to be able to hand us the keys, walk away, and get some moving money and get a fresh start. It's really what their goal was, and that, and we had so we could stroke a check to them to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we actually employed a subject two strategy in buying it, and then so we, but we recovered. We had a backdrop, we had this cash, but then we were able to stroke a check. To, ownership of the property and then um, we're fixing up we're going we're to turn around and, and retail it out uh, and and we'll make a nice return for ourselves and for the investor but we're just talking about a single deal there so so there are the thing that makes it the thing that that, that Russell 
so let's go back to the Russell to Russell now. So he's gone. He's got seven deals. What I encourage Russell to do first, the first thing he needs to do, really, is use private money. Private money is different than a, a fund, and here's how it's different. Private money is someone is going out and getting with a private lender to, and they're giving that person a mortgage to buy that property, and it's debt. You know, it's. They're giving a mortgage on that property, and it's just one individual, and that's not crowdfunding. It's just funding, mm-hmm. and it's using debt to fund that property. Well, that's where people have to start. Now, as I mentioned in the Russell example, but if you do enough, enough of those in a year's time, so maybe you start out giving them, you know, I don't know, 18% interest rate. And then as you get better at your craft and you're more skilled at it, and and uh, doing more deals, you just say, you know, I I'm not willing to give up that much money because I I'm better at this return, and, and and you should have more confidence. I mean, you get to a certain point where maybe next time it's 14 percent, and maybe next time it's 12 percent. There'll be a certain point where the the lender will say, you know what, I I don't think I want to do this with you anymore because the returns aren't high enough. And that's when you kind of that's where you kind of get stuck. But the the point is that's when your cost of capital gets dear we, we had um and that's when but then you have enough of a history and enough of a track record so you've done 20 deals like that well then you have a track record so you can go out and do a raise now an example would be one of my colleagues uh actually actually there. rod we are we are running out of time i just got the i just got the signal we've got like 30 seconds left and as much as okay. i'd love to hear a bunch more of your examples i'm going to have to encourage people to come to the uh orion national real estate summit that's coming up on october 3rd 4th 5th and 6th because you are doing a training session all sunday afternoon from 1 30 to 5 on this exact topic and are going to be able to get way more into like real life examples how this works you know all over all over the country and for small real estate investors and of course folks can get more information about that at wmkvfm.org so rod thank you so much for your time today uh sorry we ran out of it but uh we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.